Hey family, we've got a great topic up for you today. Can't wait to dive into a little bit more about an invigorating subject, Shy. <laughs> well, it seems kind of silly to say that, but today we are talking about reading. Now wait, don't stop listening. Reading is one of our favorite habits and we're going to talk about the power that it has in your life and how fun it can be, some of our favorite books and everything in between. So stay tuned for this episode of the Kay and Shy Show where we're going to find out that leaders are readers. Yep, you heard us right. This week is all about reading because if you have a problem, you really just got to take a look. It's in a book, a reading rainbow. Oh yeah, that's right. Hope we don't get copyrighted for that. We are huge fans <laughs> of Reading Rainbow. Grew up on the PBS show hosted by LeVar Burton where he would read books, visit classrooms. The, the books, would, I want to say, would come alive, but that would make you think that they were animated. And for those of you who have not seen the show, the books were not animated, but they did zoom in on the picture slowly while reading the page to you, which was somehow encapsulating. You know, Shai, in fact, one of our very first joint sister projects, media projects, was a Reading Rainbow inspired show. Now, Shyla had a class that she needed credits for, as did her friends. I had a desire as a seven-year-old girl to figure out a way to get onto TV. And so we came together and created something called Kay's Read and Go, where I would go out into the community or be at the local uh, uh, TV station and would read books to the audience. And our whole crew, Shy, it was you and your friends. Yep, me and my friends and dad uh, and mom. Also, we you had to take a couple of classes down at the local TV station. I think it was called Syncat. Syncat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you could go learn how to operate the cameras. And they had a little set you could rent out. And we went. We like took the four over four weekends. You take the course. You learn how to operate the stuff. And then you can produce a show. And Kay's Read and Go was that show. So it, needless to say, we've been fans of reading for a long time. <laughs> so much reading promotion in our history. But don't just take it from us. The studies show that reading actually helps us to think better. It improves our people's skills. It helps us to master communication. It can help us to relax. And as Harry Truman likes to say, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are in fact readers. I love that quote, A, because it rhymes, which makes anything better. Come on. But B, the sentiment behind it really demonstrates this fact that when we read, we are in this active, curious consumption and we're being able to consume something in a way that shifts our perspective, expands our knowledge, deepens our wisdom and gives us that chance to escape sometimes our regular life and expand in, in that way of skills and knowledge of, of wondering. And so I love this kind of idea that we get to curiously, proactively consume something that makes us better. And when you hear from leaders uh, across all different industries, you hear this common habit of reading, which is why we want to examine it here today. What a direct contrast, curious, conscious consumption is to maybe the type of typical media consumption that you're used to engaging in inside social media or inside popular media, maybe through a TV show or something of that nature, right? This is books require you to stop and think. And it's not like a TV show, right? 
right? Where 60 minutes goes by and you're you're either kind of invested or you're not, so you'll give another 60 minutes and then it's got you hooked, so you'll give another 60 minutes, right? And that's if a TV show isn't just incredible right off of the get-go, but a book requires you to focus for long periods of time consciously on a single subject. And so if you are gaining value from it, you're in this, this conscious consumption, which is just so different from I think what most of us are used to. Yeah, I think that real differentiator there is that passive versus proactive, right? I can passively receive a TV show and decide whether or not I'm going to engage my attention in it, uh, whether or not it continues uh, is not up to me, right? It can just be playing and I'm either engaged in it or not. But if when we're reading, we're proactive. So we're no longer passive. We're proactive, which means we're reading. We are choosing each moment to be engaged with the words. Now, of course, we've all been in that zone where you get to the end of the page and you're like, whoop, I was thinking about something else. I was go back. I was reading, but I was not listening to the reading. And so you have to go back and you read it again, of course. But for the most part, when we're reading, that means that our attention is focused on something which it builds our skills, both in the kind of macro sense of being able to pay attention for something and focus ourselves longer. And in the whatever subject particularly that you're reading about, you get expanded in that way as well. So it's a very helpful habit and skill um, that we uh, have been big promoters of and continue to actively engage in even when life gets super busy. Now, a couple of types of books that we love to engage in. Obviously, we are heavily steeped in the personal growth and development realm. Uh, But recently, we were turned on by our mentor, Barry Banther. This is his book. Uh, If you're watching the video, we have it with us. Love you, Barry. Um, Barry is a big fan of biographies and really believes that listening to biographies, especially autobiographies and reflections of people's lives, is a great way of gaining knowledge and We found that to be really great since he suggested uh, that to us as well. And then, you know, for our fellow geeks out there, we got to just lay it on the table. Shyla and I are huge fantasy nerds Um, from high fantasy to fun magic to I know, Shy, you've got a couple Mm sci-fi side quests that you've gotten to endeavor on. Um, But both of us love reading for entertainment and for educational expansion. Right. It, it, it can be easy to think about, well, leaders or readers or just this reading subject in general. But I love that you just brought forward that idea that there are these dimensions. There are these different niches. There are these different places where you can read and engage. I once had um, AP English teacher senior year talked about you, you want to think about your reading and your consumption in terms of reading in the same way that we would think about the old school food pyramid minus the lobbyists who are putting things at the bottom that don't belong there. But if we think about our own reading pyramid, the things that we want at the bottom are primarily made up of that nonfiction piece, that biography and autobiography piece, as Kay mentioned, learning from other people's experiences, gaining philosophies and perspectives that we wouldn't have otherwise had or thought about. That should be the main chunk of our reading. Then we should have some of that pleasure reading in the middle, right? Some of that fiction, that fantasy. It still stretches our imagination. It expands our perspective, but not necessarily develops develops a skill or experience. And then at the top, we should probably have where most of us spend probably more time than we'd like to admit some of that kind of trash reading, right? The, the, what you're reading on social media, the Buzzfeed article that gets you and you read that article, right? Those articles are long. They are long. And those magazines, right? That this is the exact, um, 
uh, style of reading that we get from the magazines that are in the grocery store aisle. So those are the kinds of reading at the top. And if you look at your own personal reading pyramid there, you might be see some room for adjustments and improvement. I know we have before in the past and, and move some things around in order to get the best usage out of this habit that can be so healthy. Whether you're looking at a food pyramid or a <laughs> reading pyramid, I love this idea of being able to kind of find how you spend your time and do so wisely. You know, maybe you're not a reader and you say, look, intake visually is difficult for me. I get that reading for me. It takes a lot more of my energy than listening does. Uh, so I consume personally a lot of my books uh, through Audible and through listening uh, to books. And I know many people consume their content in podcasts as well. But again, that pyramid here should be at play. Like how often are we spending on murder mysteries versus how often are we spending on uh, the, maybe a podcast that could further our leadership development, our personal confidence, or something that's more constructive for our life. Like, hey, Kay and Chai Show. Hey, and we're so glad that you're here and engaging with this content and that we're talking about, you know, consuming content consciously uh, and in a proactive way like we are with reading. Now, given the choice between listening to music or listening to an Audible book, listening to an Audible book is going to be better for you in that long run, at least more valuable for you. If we have the chance between read something in your hands, a tangible book versus listening to a book on Audible while you're driving, you're going to retain more of the information while you're reading. Scientific studies show this. Uh, all kinds of research and statistics demonstrate the fact that the best way to read is to do that physically. But the but the worst way to read is to not read or to decide that, oh, well, it's either I'm supposed to read it physically or I'll just listen to music. Audible books are a great way to add uh, that level, especially if you don't have the discipline of reading books yet. This is a great way to get yourself into that longer form content and get you used to that pace and rhythm of what chapters and a longer deep dive into a subject can look like as you get more and more used to reading in that physical terms to bring the most benefit. You know, Shai, as a, an, an audible listener, almost fervishly for the last, oh gosh, it's been six years now. And I'm about to close out my sixth year at 50 books per year. So we're coming up. I, I mean, I had one year in there. I was pregnant. I think I only got to 48. One year I started late, right? I made the commitment in March, so got to 35. Um, so I've, I have accomplished though at this point about 300 audible books in to my brain over this last uh, six years. And it's been really incredible. You know, we've got a, probably an average of about eight hours. So we think about the type, I do this while I'm driving. Now this is a 2,400 hours spent driving over the last six years. And, and some of that time, of course, I'm with family and I'm not listening to books, but this has been a utilized opportunity that's an easy layup for me on being able to read books and fit it in that allowed me to build my confidence and ultimately even my discipline muscle around reading books physically because of that retention statistic. Well, whether you use your car like a mobile university, just like Kay does, or you like old school reading or you haven't developed your reading habit yet, you'll want to stay tuned for after a word from our sponsor so you can hear more about this subject and why you should definitely be flexing your reading muscles. If you're hearing all this culture talk and want to be a part of a thriving, growing culture, we want to invite you to be a part of Squeeze In. Squeeze In Franchising offers you the chance to bring a culture and a vibe like Squeeze In to your community. You can make money. You can get time freedom for you and your family. We would love to have you as part of our Squeeze In family. Join us in the ownership team and go to squeezein.com slash franchising. 
We're talking leadership this week. And one of the organizations we are so proud to be at the helm of is the Neuroencoding Institute. We got to co-found the Neuroencoding Institute alongside Dr. Joseph McClendon III, amazing world-renowned neuropsychologist and incredible mentor and teacher. If you're at all interested in learning more about what the Neuroencoding Institute does and what it can do for you, please visit neuroencoding.com. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore our complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. All right, let's back up this uh, reading pros, pro reading stance with some statistics. Controversial here on the Kane <laughs> Chai Show. Coming out pro reading. We don't care who knows it. <laughs> We're going to scream from the rooftops, baby. This November, you should vote pro reading. <laughs> yes, on three. Okay, so reading can reduce your stress levels by up to 68%. More so than listening to music, more than having a cup of tea, more than even taking a walk. So, you're looking to reduce your stress, reading is a great place to go. Uh, that's such an amazing statistic to me. 68% uh, reduction in stress levels just from engaging in reading. Reading 30 minutes a day may prolong your lifespan by two years. And the average reading speed, fun fact, is 238 words per minute, which is pretty amazing. So we can take in a lot of words and a lot of information, which again is so reflective of that beautiful principle that, for instance, like what we've learned about reading someone's life story their autobiography um, is that you can learn everything that they've learned in 50, 60, 70 years in about six, seven, eight hours. If you're listening to it, if you're reading it, maybe a little bit longer, but you get all of their life experience, all of their jewels of wisdom that took decades and heartbreak and trauma. And you get all of that from their experience just by reading. And you can do it at 238 words a minute. It's pretty fantastic and amazing to think about how much you can expand yourself without having to experience things firsthand. Ooh, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up, Shai, because ha like raise your hand if you're the type of person and if you're driving, keep your hands on your wheel, <laughs> but raise your hand if you're the type of person who has had to learn a few lessons in life via old school way pain, hard way, hard pain, yeah. right? And failure. Yeah. Well, that sucks, right? Pain sucks. It doesn't feel good. So when we have the opportunity to go, especially into an autobiography and learn that 50, 60 years, you know, it's really easy for Shyla and I to say, uh, to, uh, talking about our, our, uh, our journey through the COVID-19 pandemic that, you know, 85% of our restaurants revenue dropped overnight in March of 2020. And for the next 12 weeks, we had to go on an insane journey to try try and save our family business. Okay, that took me like maybe 12 seconds. But in reality, that 12 weeks felt like 12 freaking years. And every step of that journey had a lot of pain associated with it. Now, if we were to take every lesson that we've learned out of that and put it into a book, it would be a similar thing. It takes uh, uh, Willie Nelson eight hours to tell his story, but it took him 60 years, 70 years to live it. The pain, the pleasure, the purpose, and give you the best of what they've got on the other end. So if you want to avoid being the type of person that has to learn everything the hard way, reading is a great place to go so that you can avoid maybe a little bit uh, of that pain in your life. 
you know, shifting gears a little bit into talking about what, you know, kind of what is the powerful force behind reading and where did this come from? This deep tradition for our species of storytelling and this transfer of knowledge through storytelling and through shared experience demonstrates how we're really wired to not only receive stories, but wired to engage in activities like reading that help us understand, imagine and relate to other experiences, other situations, other cultures and other perspectives without having to be there. In fact, it's one of the most amazing, beautiful gifts about our species in comparison to every other living being on this planet is that ability to imagine, to think of something in the future, to think of something different than our own perspective. And reading allows us to do this in a unlimited amount of ways. I'm so glad you brought this forward, Shai, because I think reading comes obviously from that story set, which comes from the fact that early humans could not explain life without the usage of stories, Can right? You imagine how insane this world seemed without science and explanation. You have no idea what's going on. They're An like eclipse, right? Thunder. Oh, it must be God's. Absolutely. A bacterial infection. Oh, uh, they're mad at us today. We might as well sacrifice something. (laughs) You just don't have any idea or any bearing for what's going on. And so stories were used as a source of comfort. And then as we began as a species to understand the power of stories, we started to get intentional about them. And and we see that come forward in old school fairy tales, right? Fairy tales used to be a way of teaching children lessons because as a species, we understood the power that stories held in creating explanations for difficult things like, you know, Little Red Riding Hood being a cautionary tale for strangers in the woods, right? Um, and, And being able to communicate that in a way that others will understand. We caught on pretty quick to the power of stories. Right. Or or again, as Kay was saying, you know, being able to explain those natural phenomenon around us in, all, in most early ancient civilizations, we see that some story that's supporting of the seasons and the, the, the changes there, right? We think about Persephone in, in the Greek mythology, and we think about all of these stories in the Celtic uh, ancient times that talk about why do the rhythms of the seasons change? You know, where you don't find those stories in places that it's temperate, in places where the seasons don't change a lot. So we used stories as a way, again, to comfort ourselves and to explain the natural world around us, and then to pass on these lessons uh, that that are about character development, about obviously safety, um, about family and values and importance and the carrying on of tradition. So stories really became deeply ingrained as a way that we transmit both our own knowledge and our history and our traditions from one generation to another before we could start writing them down. This even carries through cross-culturally, right? Things that everybody has uh, the awareness to observe, uh, like love, abundance, togetherness, uh, war, difficulty, anger. These emotions that are human nature, not necessarily regionally uh, centered, also get gods and stories assigned to them, right? Uh, We see Lakshmi in in the Middle East and in India being that goddess of love. We see the Greeks having Venus and Aphrodite right there at the at the top of their helm. And so across cultures, we see that folks use story as a way of, explain, of explaining the world around them, complex emotions and, and more. 
It's beautiful to see how we've been able to adapt this um, communication tool into something that's almost imperative for our species socially to survive. And we see this continue to perpetuate in just every kind of way with the explosion of technology and our media channels. We're telling stories in levels and in ways that we've never seen before and in grand multi-million dollar movies and short TikToks that are six seconds or less. We're able to tell stories and convey feelings. And that's one of the powerful uh, things about stories is their ability to connect emotionally. And as scientists and researchers have looked at the power of storytelling, the the staying power of stories within our society and our civilization and why they're so meaningful, that really comes to light, um, this ability for us to connect emotionally, to have a feeling. Uh, Some of my favorite books are the kinds that stay very conceptual, that talk to us about the science and the findings, um, that talk to us about the theories and the concepts. But when you get done with the book, it's hard to say anything that you remember about that book versus a a book that is like an autobiography or a fictional story, something that gives you something to A, picture in your head and B, feel in your heart. Now you're able to clearly remember, clearly recount and clearly retain much more of the story. So that emotional connection through stories is something that has really bound our species to that way of passing on knowledge and tradition. All right. So your sisters here are going to challenge you to get out there this week and do a little bit of reading. Okay. Find something constructive. We would highly recommend a book. You know what? If you want to even take it to the next level, we would encourage going to a bookstore and picking out a book for yourself to read. This can be really empowering and give you a fun little memory and some umami factor that that seventh sense, if you will, uh, of taste and flavor that gives you that experience with that book. So we want to encourage you to pick up a book this week, get started. If you can't get it physically, get it digitally on your phone, get it on Kindle. Maybe you borrow a book from a library if you don't have access to a book, but we encourage you to get started on a book this week. And then we want to challenge you to set a goal for yourself for the next 30 days. Uh, For me, it's four books. Shyla usually tracks right alongside me on that level as well. So we're getting about that 50 books per year mark. But what does that look like for you? Is it completing one book? in the next 30 days? What would make you feel accomplished towards helping you to understand the power of conscious curiosity when it comes to your content consumption? Now, hopefully you're lucky like us and you were raised to love reading. You embraced reading. Maybe you are also like us. And sometimes you would have whole days where you would just read at home. With maybe. a dreamy far off look. And you're <laughs> yeah. now stuck in a book. One of the things I loved about Belle, the princess from Beauty and the Beast, was that she was such an avid reader. I could really relate to that as a kid growing up and through teenage years and preteen years, loved reading in books. Maybe you're like that too, but like so many adults who progress into their lives and their careers and their families and their fitness routines, they let the reading piece go. So if that's you, then no shame, no blame, no wrongdoing here. We hope that this has been a gentle nudge for you and that you'll take us on on this challenge. And if you're not sure what book to read, well, our friends, our family, we are going to talk about some of those coming up in the mini-sodes this week. So make sure you stay tuned here at the Kay and Shy Show, because remember, we're always coming at you with love from your sisters, Kay and Shy. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com.
The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers, and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.